Hey there, I'm Ashley and I'm a proud mama of two beautiful kiddos, a wife, a health and wellness coach, and a middle and high school shop teacher. Hi, I'm Roberta, mama, wife, educator. I'm an entrepreneur and homeschool mom navigating the work, family, social life balance. Together, we will discuss various topics near and dear to our hearts for teachers and mamas, like routines, health, habits, self-care, and so, so much more. Living a healthy lifestyle is for everyone from young children to adults. Health, wellness, and emotional and social well-being starts at home and should be expanded upon in the classroom. Everyone can benefit from the Teacher Mamas podcast. So if you're ready to learn some helpful tips, let's do this thing. Oh my goodness. This is, we're, we're ready to go. I was ready. I thought we were recording and Roberta was like, no, wait, not the record button. <laughs> Anyways, we are chatting with parenting coach today at Travis Greenlee um, and also teacher advocate. I'll add that in there. I'm excited to hear what that is all about. An extension of he's doing um, for parents, what Roberta and I are doing for teachers. So we are excited to see what he has to say about self-care for parents and why it is so prevalent in our parenting world. So, uh, Travis, can you tell us about your company, how many of you work there, why you decided to start this parenting coaching business up, all the things? Sure. Just want to say also, Ashley, Roberta, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really, Absolutely. I'm really pumped to be talking with you about this. Um, so uh, where did this all get started? Uh, well, uh, at one point I was teaching at a school. It was actually the first time I taught at a school where I wasn't being referred to as Mr. Greenlee. And, uh, that as a teacher, that was something I like had to figure out if I was going to hold on to the, the last name thing or even the Mr. Thing. And I was slowly letting, letting go with it. And it was part of my personal growth and reflection. And there were, there was a school where I, the, the students were referring to me as teacher Travis and that, I don't, I mean, I love alliteration. I'm a writer too. So <laughs> I love alliteration and it really just uh, landed with me. And it was a time where I was working at a Montessori school and they were really, really little. And it was just, um, it was a time where I was starting to also see my teaching from a totally new perspective of uh, following the child and, and really learning a whole lot more about what my work as an educator really was. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that today. Uh, so I, I decided after a while when I had I had parents coming up to me over and over again, and it wasn't until um, I, I was ahead of school at a small school in Portola Valley, California. It was a one-room schoolhouse where I really got a chance to be, since I was the head of school and lead teacher, I got a chance to be right there with the parenting community every day. And I was having more and more, I was having these conversations with parents where they were like, how did you just do that with my child? Why is it that my child wakes up in the morning and wants to come see you more? Aww. And while I didn't necessarily have the full answer for that, I said, I would, I, I, I said, um, I would love to show you if I could. And we tried a whole lots of different things and, you know, anything down to parent teacher conferences, which I really, really always enjoyed. I loved leaning into, especially challenging parent-teacher conferences, because it was in a lot of schools that I worked at, it was often the, the one intimate opportunity I had to really relate 
with families related mm-hmm. to parents. Um, there's so much you learn. I mean, and 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 t- those sessions tend to be really, really short. So you're trying to do all that learning at the same time, but to really be able to be in the same room and be able, or be in this on the same call and have that intimacy with the family. I was starting to realize that there was a part of me that wanted to get closer, uh, that really wanted to go beyond that barrier um, that was that was becoming more and more noticeable over the 20 years that I was teaching between families and schools. And then more and more uh, families were were really the attitude was, I don't know what I'm doing. You do. Have a good time with my kid. <laughs> and uh, while there was like there was a lot of uh, levity in that conversation, there was something behind that facade. There was a, there was um, not a cry for help. But uh, someone who just wanted to reach out and 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 be better than with than than what who they felt they were as a parent, and just needed some tricks of the trade and just really looking for confidence, looking for building a stronger relationship with their child. And I was realizing that um, at school, I was only able to do that so much. There was still that barrier, that communication barrier, and so. I realized that if I could start a company, which was first teacher Travis and then my partner, Adam Zappa, we were both educators, decided we, 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 we've got to position ourselves to be able to support families in a more dynamic, more consistent way. We got to free ourselves up so that we can really show parents that they're the first teachers in their child's lives and their homes too. What an amazing learning environment. What an amazing opportunity to really look at your home as the first school as well. Um, a part of that work was is also teacher advocacy. It's really, it's not only mending the relationship and really taking a, a harder look at the relationship between the child and the parent, but also between the child, the parent, and the teacher, and the school environment. Uh, and we 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 definitely feel at Parent Sidekick that a, a, a happy family, a happy healthy parenting practice, really feeds into a much happier and successful school experience. Um, for both the teacher and also the student while they're at school. So uh, parent mm-hmm. sidekick came into being mm-hmm. because sidekick is really spoke to us as this idea. We are just, we, we champion our students and we champion our parents and just being, everyone deserves support. And so being able to be in that space, a lot of our parents were working with OTs or they were working with all sorts of therapists or occasionally a psychologist and Sometimes we need lots of different things. It's not one or the other. Um, but I was realizing that if I was coming from 20 years of teaching experience, that it was an entirely different perspective of support. Absolutely. And it's definitely needed. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times parents don't know where to go for help or they feel, I know mm-hmm. for myself, even as an educator, it's like, I feel like if I'm asking for help, I'm failing. Or if I'm going to these parents to support groups or whatever, then it's like something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the automatic thought process. So I think um, shifting that mindset must be part of, of what you're doing as, as well. Like it, it must go hand in hand to some degree of shifting that. Um, just that you're not doing anything wrong, but. I'm here to support. I don't know if that's making sense what I'm sure. thinking Absolutely. through. 
Mm-hmm. I, absolutely. I mean, this this whole game, it's the it's the the school ecosystem. I mean, we've got that we've got administration administration and, and as educators, I'm sure we can talk about administration for a long, long time. And um, and the health of administration is a piece of this. And it's a piece of it for me too. Right now I'm I'm supporting mm-hmm. um, supporting a I'm supporting a friend of mine who's starting a brand new school, preschool, right here in Colorado. And I'm realizing that um, from an administrator's point of view. I'm developing a whole different sense of empathy and, and being able to provide that support. Um, and that's the kind of energy that you want going into a school, um, an environment that you're creating for mm-hmm. uh, not only for children, but an environment that has a parent community and a family community. So I, I'm totally in agreement with you. I think mm-hmm. it's it's it support. It's a little bit of a different reframe. Uh, and I see parents, the parenting practice is just te- is as teaching. And um, if I if we can see it in that frame, then parents can really find an entirely different sense of empathy and kinship um, and synergy with teachers and vice versa. Teachers can also feel that with parents, too. It's a lot easier for us to move forward if we can start with a place of empathy and and good intention. Um, When we're dealing with our when we're dealing with any kind of setbacks in our own sense of self-confidence, uh, confidence, confidence building is a huge part of what Parent Sidekick is all about. And it's just really, it's building confidence. It's reframing some things often that you've already been doing at home. Uh, and for teachers too, sometimes they, they're trying so hard in one particular direction and all they need to do sometimes is dial it back a little bit or um, not feel and, and do a little bit of self-reflection so they don't, they don't feel so threatened. If, if we're confident about why we are there and we're all for this this same end around um, supporting the growth of a child. We really have an opportunity to to to, to be a much better team, um, but it has to start with individual growth, support, and feeling valued. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might be jumping the gun, but like, how do you um, like? So, do you when you're when you're like when you're doing your thing? <laughs> before you even get to do your thing how do you how do you get to do your thing like do you go talk to admin do you talk to teachers do you talk to parents like how do you do that how do you go about that uh it's an awesome question you know something that's that's so interesting and and as excited as i really was to dive into this because it was so unique for even parents to and families to feel like they can find or access support like this um there was this other piece too, which was being able to actually ask for help, which is something Mm -hmm. that all of us need to learn how to do better. Mm -hmm. It's something that, you know, being Mm -hmm. able to ask for help and support when you need it is tough. So I was finding that finding, even though I had a a network, I had worked in so many schools over the course of just over two decades, there was still that, that hesitant, that that, ever that hesitation and, um, and trying to figure out where to start. And so I did what I know best and it's reaching out to schools and I started building, um, just aligning myself with schools and building relationships with schools so that I could access their, I could support them and have access to their parent community. Um, Because for a lot of schools that they they realize that their their relationship that that they were trying to navigate with parents has, has been been tough. And if you throw COVID right into that whole mix, I mean, it really, really made it that much, um, that much more challenging. So to be able to have someone reaching out who is speaking from becoming, being a teacher for so long, um, 
it uh i think it, it it's 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 a lot less threatening and to be able to have that support coming from the administration um families are a whole lot more open to saying i need a little bit of help i need a little bit of support because you're aligning yourself with um, our school community um and we could really we could really we would really love to work with you Love that. So what age range of kids or, um, do you work with or, or do you have an age range? Yes, yes, yes and no. Okay. <laughs> the, the target, our parents, I kick the target age range is, uh, is K, K to five. And the, the reason I'll, I'll definitely speak to that. I, th I definitely think it's the sweet spot. Um, the reason why I mm -hmm. speak to it is that it, I love working in elementary and I always have, um, but I've been teaching, teaching children for preschool through high school throughout my career. And so the reason why I say also not is that there've been times I've worked with families with, with high schoolers. Um, and uh, I started my teaching career in middle school and it's definitely a particular um, stage in development where, you know, parents can, are really throwing up their hands, you know, and um, I joke, I jokingly speak with a lot of clients who have, if their kids are in, in, in adoles our adolescence and um, so basically saying, okay, take everything that you think you should say, take everything that you think your child needs and just do the opposite because <laughs> the, the, the truth is like anything, anything goes at that time. And mm -hmm. um, so I find that age group very dynamic to work with. And I love being able to support parents in that, in that realm. The reason why we really dial in on K5 is because I, I mean, for me, it's an extra special age. It's, it's a time for me also as an outdoor and nature educator. Uh, it's a time where there's just so much wonder um, and openness to uh, learning something new. Uh, you're trying on kind of like some, you're starting to try on some new identity, um, you know, pieces um, and incorporate them, them into your life. But I've found that if I have an opportunity to do work with children who are in that age range and work with parents of children who are in that age range, when the adolescence comes around, there's a framework that's built in that's baked in by that point of being able to navigate the communication um, a little bit easier with a little bit more ease, a little more sense of harmony, a little bit more sense of personal space. Uh, and so I would love to support parents and equip them prior to the middle school and high school years. And so that K-5 spot is just right on for us. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense to me. I think personally as an elementary teacher, I mean, to, for a lot of the same reasons was because I felt like that was the best place I could support kids to prepare them for middle and high school. And I, that's why kindergarten was my favorite because I could just be right in there right at the beginning and do what I could to help with their mindset. And because I think that's, you know, a huge piece of education for them is getting if they can if they believe that they can learn and they can enjoy learning like my biggest thing was um hyping up math that was one of my big projects was making math fun Super and not scary cool. and reworking some of the things you know they're hearing from home about math and um it's easier to do that when they're little yeah mm -hmm. it is it is yeah especially if there is that that trusting relationship too, you know, they're willing to take risks with you. They're willing to make mistakes with you. 
Um, it's a really fun um, stage of development or a series of stages of development in order to like model as an adult consciously uh, and which is a huge piece. I mean, if I were to boil parent sidekick down to one thing, it's modeling and it's what you do, um, you know, be a product of, you know, what you believe in and what you want to do. And just know, just realize that your, your children at all ages are sponges. They're just sponges mm -hmm. of different, a different consistency. And, uh, uh, and they, what in they're learning from you, whether you're meaning to teach them or not. So really embracing that, that power of modeling for sure. Mm -hmm. So I know you talk about self-care a lot for parents on your Instagram page. How do you incorporate this into your coaching um, for the parents that you work with? Mm -hmm. And then why do you think it's so important? Yeah, it's number one. <laughs> it's number one. It's not just an incorporated element. I mean, I, I believe, yeah. I mean, it, and it's, it's, it's part of my personal practice too. It's just, um, I've just, mm -hmm. I realized I used to teach in, in a civic, in a civics, I used to teach a civics class to seventh graders, um, which was a really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I see the face. Civics you're and Montessori. Yeah. That's you've had quite well, an civics, experience. Civics wasn't in Montessori at the time. Right. Been, but, Montessori yeah. was, was, was a realm of my journey. My first yeah. school, uh, private school, I, I, I taught seventh grade civics. It was so awesome. It was so awesome uh, for me. And, uh, and you'll see how this wraps back in. But for me, that was really, I think, the beginning of my journey as a coach and a facilitator. And that was so long ago. I just didn't know. That's where the deepest seeds were really being planted. And the reason was, so I was in the D.C. metro area, but I wasn't really an activated citizen. You know, and I was, but I was in this very activated environment. And here I was tasked with teaching civics, which was pitched to me mainly as, um, as government and politics. It wasn't accessible to a seventh grade child. Yeah. So I finding my way to it, I found my way to it via re the reframe of citizenship and community and being a part of something and being able to share your voice and being able to feel valued and being able to sort of like take a look at what you bring to the table and, and finding a sense of yourself, finding a sense of yourself in relationship to others in the world around you. And that, that in conjunction with uh, nature education and outdoor education really started to really broaden what I could do, um, what I could do with, with, with my students. And so I think um, the self-care piece of being able to take care of yourself, being able to value yourself. If you are taking care of yourself, you create this ripple effect and everyone automatically benefits around you, without a doubt. If you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not being able to sort of speak your truth, if you're not doing that work, um, you, no one is benefiting. No one is benefiting from you, just showing up as who you are. And so, Moving this this idea to parents, moving this idea to adults, same thing with teachers. If we can fake it till we make it to only a certain extent, but we also know that if we're working with kids, they see right through that. You know, I mean, the kind of facade you need to create in order for kids to really not know what's going on with you, I don't know. In my experience, it doesn't really exist. So mm -hmm. it's almost better to be as honest as you can. And so for parents being able to um, do what they can to take care of themselves, boost their confident, 
confidence, get their space when they need it, allow themselves to be able to make mistakes in order for the sake of being better, developing that growth mindset for themselves. That kind of self-care, everyone else is going to benefit. Their, their parenting is going to go through the roof. Their parenting practice is going to get better just by them taking care of take, taking better care of themselves. Plus, they have this opportunity of modeling, of sharing, you know, mom taking care of herself or dad taking care of herself. I and for a child to be, be like, I should take care of myself. I should, mm-hmm. I should be kinder to myself. I should take space. I should ask ask for space. I should I should know how to self-regulate so that I can take best care of myself. It's a ripple effect and everyone wins. Everyone wins. So I have to say that that's probably the foundation um, of my work with parents. And, and I think you also, Ashley, I think you also asked uh, what, how we kind of go about this. Um, a lot of it is levity and play to be honest, because uh, my partner, Adam and I, we loved a game design. And so a lot of our direction with the tools that we can, that we build, and some are available for free on our website, parentsidekick.com, to to kind of give a sense of, we develop a whole lot of games that bring a lot more joy and levity so that, so that parents can even in, find a lot of that joy while parenting. It's not the absence of parenting. It's not always moving away from it, but being able to be in that moment and being able to find a little bit more calm. And instead of balance, we don't really talk too much about balance because balance is not always what you want to strike. It's a little bit more about harmony. And so the, it's the harmony that in a, in a family dynamic that can bring a lot more calm and a lot more ease to every individual in that family unit. There is also this piece about how do you take space for yourself? And uh, one element that we talked to, we, we, we talk to um, our clients a lot about communication with their children and how they're communicating. Uh, you know, sometimes we think that we're communicating, but it's really a monologue. We got to get it said. And there's no risk, you know, we're not looking actually for a response. It's a lot of rhetorical stuff as parents, but if we were to open it up a little bit more to a different conversation, if we're uh, offering certain choices um, uh, at a time, a child gets a sense of agency as opposed to being just told no. Um, when the truth is the choices are so few that they they get to make a choice, but it's really, really structured for them. Uh, or if you're just in a very heated conversation with your fifth grade child and no one's winning but so but you're feeling this you're feeling this urge where someone's got to win here and it's gonna be me uh (laughs) letting that be a red flag being able to self-regulate a little bit and say okay where i'm going to step away from this conversation so looking for moments where you can find space for yourself as well in order to rest reflect and reset it's amazing especially if you adopt that practice not just as a one-off or occasionally, but if you adopt that as a practice, it's a whole idea of the practice in this way that brings a whole lot more ease to the overall um, to the overall experience of being a parent. Uh, there's also this piece which I love talking about, and it's in no particular order. I'm not mentioning any particular order, but parents, parent sidekick, the purpose of parent sidekick is to really work with each individual parent as the parent as a professional, as a professional person, regardless of their profession, as a partner, 
So whether it's with their uh, immediate partner in the home or their partnerships within the village that they surround their child with. And then first and foremost for them as a person, how are they taking care of those different aspects of themselves? How are they building that harmony between them? It's not about balance, not about equal time, equal love to each individual thing. It's about Mm -hmm. harmony. And that finding that harmony, looking for that harmony, troubleshooting that harmony with with clients is something that I enjoy. And I find that it leads to a lot more self-care and self-awareness and confidence. I'll have to check out your your games on your website for my my daughter. A lot of them are conversation-based, conversation-based games. And really it's it's about trying to inject a little bit of extra joy, a little bit of extra fun, a little levity, like let the shoulders mm-hmm. drop a little bit. I do a lot mm-hmm. of breath work with my my clients too. It's how we start our sessions in order to really just let the blood pressure drop just enough before mm-hmm. we started um, something to adopt in practice. Check the games out, please. Breathing yeah. is something that we're, we're always working on in my household. <laughs> They go through seasons of like, yeah, I'm all about it. And then they're like, now this is stupid. Sure. <laughs> you can't do it. You can't do it without breathing. I know. Right. Yeah. right. So uh, Ashley and I talk a lot about uh, teacher burnout and ways to prevent it or kind of come back from being in the trenches of burnout. Um, what would you say parent burnout looks like? I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. sometimes you don't even need to see it just be in the same room you feel it mm-hmm. and um i feel such a deep sense of empathy in the same way that uh, and compassion is the same way when I'm, I'm around a child around a child who just um, doesn't feel supported they don't feel safe uh, they don't feel heard i think a, a parent burnout looks like a parent who thinks they have to be someone other than who they feel they are and there's a lot of that posturing within a parent community. And sometimes it's it's unconscious. It's a survival tactic <laughs> of being right. able to say, my child goes to such and such a school. What does that say about me as a parent? My child eats such and such type of lunch. What does that say about me as a parent? We're always on time at school. Oh, we do this on the weekends. My child you know, does this and this and this and this because they are interested in just about everything. And somehow the whole scene still seems overwhelming. Um, and I think imposter syndrome comes in there. And I know I'm speaking to teachers too. You know, we, we this is something that that all professionals come across at some point where we just, or a lot of times, because we're our own worst critic. And right. parenting is the job that no one's paying you for. And so there's that, if you're a professional person, especially, that's a dynamic that is a difficult one to really work with when you're looking to find that harmony, when you're looking to find that sense of purpose, when you're looking for progress. Very few times are we given feedback as parents. Or actually, the truth is, sorry, we are constantly be, being given feedback as parents. We just don't necessarily know how to receive it or see it or what it looks or sounds like. And I think that... Um, those are those are parents that I have worked with my entire career, and um, and that is part of the reason why there is um, there's a lot of hesitation to reach out for help. There's nothing more personal than your journey as a parent than how you are doing, 
And it's so, because it's so personal, I think it gives it that power to, that where you could really, really feel empowered with the right support. Um, but if you're not looking for help, if not feeling like you can reflect, no one gives you a parenting manual. There are tons of books. There are tons of right. books. There are tons of technical manuals. But the truth is the greatest manual is your is the experiential one. And you have to get into it. You have to be willing to try some new things. You have to be willing to take care of yourself. You have to be willing to walk away. You have to see mistake-making as creating possibility for your growth as a, as, a, as a parent. You have to be allowed to be able to make mistakes. And you have to let your child know that that's the same, that, 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 that is something that you value as well. Mm -hmm. So all of these things are just sort of different elements that I see. And the, the problem is that just like in a garden, they're, they're the kind of seeds that, that, that take root and lead to um, sick growth. Uh, if, you just, if you just let them manifest over time without tending to them, um, right. with, it's, it's, uh, it, it leads to this, it, it can lead to this place where you really are not taking care of yourself and you get burned out super fast. I'm going to reference the the obvious, the, the pandemic being thrown into it. I had a number of parents who literally said word for word, I never knew what parenting was really like. And mm -hmm. their kids had been in their life, you know, their whole, life, their whole child's right. life, you know, and sometimes they had multiple kids, you know, but it's just, mm -hmm. and that's, and that's, and that's a very real and very honest reflection. Uh, but the look of fear, and 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 um and paralysis in their eyes mm -hmm. that i saw really spoke volumes um and they realized that they were doing what they could to keep their child busy but they weren't mm -hmm. keeping their child close they their their relationship their ways of communicating with their child um were not in place and were not in place in a way that they, that it could grow or be sustainable um, and those are different levels of burnout that I'm witnessing, uh, lots of fear, lack of confidence, hesitation to ask for help. Um, and also having a hard time holding themselves accountable. This fear, like I was mm -hmm. mentioning before, a symptom that you can see can also manifest itself in, I'm not doing anything wrong. There's, you know, we, we, you know, I know lots of parents who need lots of help, but you know, the truth is we all need self-reflection. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter how practiced we are. We all deserve to be self-reflective. We're all growing. This is not a destination. This is a journey. And we have to, we have to be able to see if we can see it as such, then we're opening ourselves to growth um, and self-care. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking about, um, too, I think, uh, I would hear a lot from parents over the years, you know, at conferences, as an example, you know, my older child was so easy, I knew what to do. And this one, I'm doing the same thing. And it's not working. Right, right. And until I had my son, my second child, I didn't fully understand what they were talking about. <laughs> But they're so right. You know, we need to be different parents for different kids. They need different things. And what you're saying with that reflection piece, if, you know, I can read the same parenting book, but I need to read it through the lens of which child I'm thinking about yes. and reflecting on which child 
is needing this content and how can I um, provide it for them? It's, um, you know, I can't just read a book and think about my parenting like as a whole, it's got to be in regards to which specific child, which specific situation, etc. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're, you maybe you've seen that with some parents, so that disconnect between. Sure, I mean, I think depending upon our bandwidth, we're looking for a one size fits all approach, you know. And, and mm-hmm. the truth is, we know it. We know it deep down. We all know that our, right. that our children are different, and uh, we all know that that space has to be held different. And we know that we have, we have to, dif- just like we dif- we work so hard to figure out how to differentiate in the classroom. You have to differentiate in the home. And it's differentiating in the home, not just for the child, but it's also for yourself. Every individual that's in the house ends up creating a completely different combination, a, a different sort of cocktail of sorts for the family. And it can't be mm-hmm. a one size fits all. But like you're saying, if you can learn how to take a tool and adapt it. Right. That's what teachers do. We are great adapters. Right. I've been thinking about a personal situation that I feel like I could use as maybe a like really good visual for our listeners. Um, in when when you're talking about how there's just some situations where we as the parent need to recognize that it's time for us to take space and to back away. Um, so thinking, I have a seven-year-old and we recently had a situation where that needed to happen. And I was watching it. It was my husband and my daughter and they were just button heads. And my husband finally said, I need to walk away. And I don't remember how he said it. I remember it was calmly, calm words, you know, but he's like, I need, I need to leave. And he walked away and that caused our daughter to just melt down. Mm-hmm. tears and feeling shame and feeling like she did something wrong his feelings were her fault and so thinking about that and thinking about how we do need to step away you know yeah. what would be your advice for how we can explain especially in the moment mm-hmm. or pre-teaching this skill but how do we talk to our kids about sometimes we do need to step away and it's like, yes, it's because of our interaction, but it's not because of you, a person, and and kind of just, I don't know, dealing with that. Yeah. Well, first thing, when in doubt, let it be messy. There are no edges here. You know, it's always in progress. So the point is we need to be iterating constantly on what we learn about the way we're handling ourselves as parents. Um, and I would say, I, I would love to expand this too, just like if it, anyone who is in the village around a child, because I mean, this this could have been you and your husband, this could have been um, a sister or brother, an aunt, uncle, you know, it could be a grandparent or a neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I think I would encourage everyone who is a part of that village um, to really, uh, this parenting practice broadens beyond the immediate home. Um, and so, but to address your point, uh, so number one, I champion your, your, this is your husband, right? That we're talking mm-hmm. about. Yep. Yep. So number one, what, the, the first great thing is that he knows that he needs something, right? And he knows what he, he knows what it is. I need some space. I need some space. And so I could walk away. Um, th- and that is a tactic that we want 
our children to learn about as well, to be able to walk from away from a fight, which is mm -hmm. a really, really key thing. Um, mm -hmm. Now, this is a great example, though, of what I love so much about working with 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 my clients, because the truth is there are great things. There are tactics that you're doing already at home where the 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 intention is to take care of myself or do the best I can by my child. They just might need a little tweaking. And so in this particular case, turning and walking away can actually upset the child because there is no context for your action. So um, unless, I don't know if he if he spoke with your kid about this as he was doing After. it, but when I said afterwards, which yeah. has its value too, then that comes into this, that, that comes into play here. So at first it's, being able to retreat from the conversation that's not that's that's from the conversation that's not necessary ge geographically from the person right it's like i i'm not going to talk about this actually daddy really needs to take a moment um i really need to take a moment and go breathe to myself i need a moment for me and it helps me to feel calmer and i definitely want to come back and talk to you about this can we talk about this a little later um and i would love to give you a chance to have some space for yourself this is something that I feel like I need. You're not making me upset, but I want to be able to talk to you about this. So just by trying to give some, and of course that conversation changes depending upon the age of your child, sure. depending upon the age of your child. In the end, being able to give purpose for your actions, you're not only advocating for yourself, you're not only creating clarity, but you're at the same moment, you're offering your child tools for doing it for themselves. I need this for myself. And here's why. Because that that way a child can adopt it in other situations where when they're apologizing, they don't just say sorry. I'm sorry because they're adding on this other piece where they're giving, they're advocating for themselves and they're um, communicating the reason. And it can tend to deflate. It doesn't necessarily mean that your child's still not going to have a meltdown. Honestly, right. if your child decides in that moment that that space they're going to be in, um, that's real. Um, I would say that only then the responsibility is who else is around? Is this is is the situation is the scene safe? Um, and um, does your child know that they have a place that they can go and and self regulate as well? But self regulation is a real interesting beast, and it's a super super important tact, super super important thing for us to adopt as individuals and to model for younger people, because there are things that we weren't necessarily shown when we were growing up. Right. And, um, and it's really, really key to be able to know how to take care of yourself, how to feel, mm -hmm. how to value yourself and your feelings. Um, even if somebody doesn't tell you that they value your feelings mm -hmm. and having those messy conversations saying like, daddy's really upset. Um, and I, I, and I really need some, I need some time. I would love to come back to you and, and give you an answer to your question, or let's talk about this later on. Um, and that's, I think what you were mentioning, they came back and had that conversation later on. But if, mm -hmm. if he said, if he said to your child, we are going to come back later on, then that's another element, which is building expectations. I'm not just communicating what's going on, what I need, and that you can do it for yourself too, but we are going to come back to this. That's also a key piece in holding boundaries. When a parent says, um, it says there's going to be a consequence, X consequence, if you do this again, 
holding to that is really, really key. Um, and if sometimes in the moment you can't really have a conversation, if it's a very heated, if it's a very heated moment, you just can't have mm -hmm. it. It's not a conversation and you're not destined right. to be your best self as a parent. And the best thing that you can do is give your space self space until you feel a little bit more confident, a little bit more calm. Cause as I said before, everyone else is going to benefit. And the child also has a chance to cool off too, reflect and reset. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's interesting going back to like what you said about how we weren't always taught this stuff as we were kids. And I know I was not at all. Um, not, not like saying like my parents were like, no, I just mean like it, no matter where I was, it just wasn't ever talked about. And like, I was a very emotional child. And I think that's why I have such a hard time with emotions now. And, um, I would, when I was, uh, frustrated in school, I would cry. Like that was just, that was my go-to. I would, I don't understand math. I'm going to cry. And then I was like, I felt so shameful for it. So I'd like literally go hide under the desk. No one ever taught me like, Hey, it's okay to be frustrated. Here's yeah. some things that we can do to help the situation or, Oh my gosh, I can see you're upset. Okay. Here, let's try and practice some breathing or some journaling or, you know, like something like self-care, <laughs> you know, yeah. like this stuff was never taught to us. And I, I wonder, is this why we have so many parents now that have such a hard time with this stuff, like myself included, mm -hmm. like, I, I, I wonder, like, and, and also just because like, you've also mentioned this piece, but, um, how, you know, we're so isolated these days where it's like, our family, this is our family. This is our little tight knit family. That's pretty much it. Like we don't include a whole lot of other people in our parenting practices. And we feel like we need to take the burden of being the parent on, on ourselves all the time. Whereas back in the day, you know, they had, they, they all lived together. They all parented together. They all parented each other's children. You know, like, do you think this is where, like, maybe we've had like such this disconnect, like, is this, like what's your what's your take on that it's a combination of things for sure it's like a, a shift in culture a shift in you know and what what people value i mean i've lived in neighborhoods where the people who live there came there to to live in that house mm -hmm. that's it mm -hmm. there for the house not there for the community Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and that might've been how they were raised or that might be, you know, maybe it speaks more to, you know, like why they, they came there. There, there could be other extenuating circumstances. Truth is we never know what people are going through, which by the way, is also an important frame between parents and teachers. You never know what someone is going through. And I think if we can have that kind of compassion, we change the type of conversation and, mm -hmm. um, that we could be having and empower what's really, really possible. Um, When I first started in this work in 2020 uh, with Parent Sidekick, there were, and the pandemic was blazing. Um, a lot of people were, were, a lot of families were building pots. Um, and a lot of the work that I started to get really excited about being able to serve families with pots because there was, regardless of the pandemic, there was this opening for an intentional micro community. 
And so part of what I really got interested in supporting families with, and this is what Liz led to some, that led to something else, which is uh, village building. Uh, and with families, who do you surround yourself and who do you surround your children with? Because the truth is not any one of us are meant to do everything. Your partner is not meant to, meant to be everything to you. That is way too much to put on them and you're not going to get the best out of them. You can't be everything for your partner. You can't be everything for your child. Your partner can't be everything for your child. It has to expand. We need, if we're going if, if to um, believe in diversity of learning options for our child, we need to also see the, the value of a diversity of teachers, of um, of adults in their life, not just experiences, but people. And being intentional about that is really key. And yes, it has been hard with the pandemic. And so it started with the, with the pods and it's like building these intentional sort of groupings. And, and what came out of that, at least with the clients that I was working with, they were thinking, these people, these neighbors should have been a part of our lives a lot sooner. And probably instead of Uncle Jimmy, because <laughs> Uncle Jimmy was showing up and really not bringing the love. He was really not bringing a safe um, or loving environment for my child. But because he's a member of the family, uh, he, he was we, he was part of the village. The thing is, rethinking who you're surrounding yourself with is a huge part of the self care piece, and it's a huge part of how you're managing this parenting practice. You need support. You need help. It gives you space. It gives you an opportunity to learn. It gives your child an opportunity to learn from a diverse group of people. And so I really love focusing on that. And in the immediate school ecosystem, obviously, you've got administrators, you've got schools, you've got parents, uh, you've got kids, you've got peers, you've got all of these different dynamics really to work on. And I think if any villages at all have existed... I think most parents really just sort of see the school dynamic as being a part of it, but it really can be beyond that. Um, and it's really just intentionally, who do you want to surround your child with? And how do you support yourself as well? Is that an answer to the question, Ashley? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. yeah. I like how you're shifting yeah. it a little bit and calling it a parenting practice. I was sitting here thinking... Yeah. Um, as you've been saying that almost like a weight lifting off my shoulders a little bit by just thinking about it as a practice instead of just like an identity and mm -hmm. like, oh, it's a practice. Just like I practice the piano, I'll get better if I continue working at it instead of like, right. I the practice have makes these better, two children. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Right, <laughs> right. And my piano practice would um, tell you that as well. But, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. um, uh, it's just, I don't know, it's comforting to think of it that in that way, instead of being like, just focusing on how parenting is parenthood, it's your identity, it's now who you are, instead of yeah. thinking about it as a practice. And how so I appreciate you it, framing like, it that way. Oh, yeah. And like mm -hmm. how we just come into it, like, oh, we're just supposed to know what we're doing, you know, like, <laughs> no oh, way. We're parents, now. we're parents, like we should, we should have our crap together. We should know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when you shift it to that, like, oh, we're just practicing, like, just like you have a gratitude practice or a meditation practice. Exactly. 
it is, it is a practice and it is, um, it is physical. It is emotional. It is spiritual. It is all of those things. And because it's pushing you to those, all of those limits for you as a mm -hmm. person and showing up, being present, having a place of love for your child and giving yourself permission to be messy at this work. You mm -hmm. can be messy. You can start over. You can try something new. And I mean, there are so many times I've had classrooms where we've gotten down the line in a year and we've had to do a little bit of a culture reset just because mm -hmm. of the way dynamics have kind of gone or we've let a few things slide along the way. All right, we got to come back together. And there are certain dynamics that I work with families on depending upon what they're looking for. You know, anything from implementing uh, family meetings to really intentional nights where, uh, you know, they're doing something as as a family um, in order to stay in the family practice of communication, of being playful, um, of letting go of tech. Uh, it really depends uh, really what the, the family needs. But but looking at those types of things is part of a practice as well. The time that you spend together, the time that you spend apart, the things that you try out. You need it's like the 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 home environment is a lab. It needs mm -hmm. to be an experimental place. And as long as you're coming at it with intention, and as long as you're coming at it understanding that it's not it's not a destination, like I said before, but it's a journey. You're not looking for perfection. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like Roberta's saying, so practices to make things a little bit better. A little bit right. better. Yep. Yeah. So how do you suggest that parents start making time for themselves? And what is the process that you go through when you're working with them? Um, like, how do you, how do you get parents like schedule this in? Okay. So the first part, um, I, I think, and it's all, it's always different for every dynamic for sure. Um, but a couple things that I would want to know, um, how, um, how much time do you feel like you spend with your child? Um, we, how would you, how would you rate the quality of that time? Are you feeling fulfilled? Are you receiving joy from it? Um, what is your child reaching out to you every time they, they need something? Are they good at playing on their own? Do they always need you to play with them? Mm -hmm. Um, these are usually sort of like ways in which to kind of assess the needs um, of the family and your needs as a parent in order to best give yourself space. I mean, I have, I, I know parents that just feel like their whole purpose is to do ab to, to adhere to every demand, every need that their child has, they get absolutely zero sleep. They, they, they burn their batteries out. I mean, by their time, by the time they're, I mean, their, their child is barely in kindergarten. Um, and I mean, if, if they're doing that. And so this idea of modeling a sense of independence, what you like to do on your own, um, where do you find joy? Uh, I heard recently this, um, this frame of we direction as opposed to redirection and the the concept of like let's let's direct what we're doing together and find find purpose and find space how can we do that as a family or how can you f do that with you between you and your child as opposed to having to redirect them to something else i mean redirection is something that we talk a lot about in the classroom but i really like this idea of being able to find a sense of um of purpose uh, without having to like leave 
the situation without having to back up without always having to be like i only get i only get a, i only get um i only get rest i only get to do self care self care is not being around my child i think that that is a problem i think that is a problem and so for a parent to take a look at what can i do with my child that feels like i'm also taking care of myself Mm -hmm. What are my favorite things? Let's identify that list of things that I absolutely love to do with my child. And then let's talk about like what they really bring out in yourself. What is something that is really dynamic and energizing mm -hmm. and fun that you get to do with your child versus what is something that you do with your child that you love to do with your child that is calming? Because you need to be able to have the yin and the yang. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just let, let's just sit still and I get to read to you. Yeah. And that can be very calming and fulfilling. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess I would have to say that reflecting on these elements of your family life are really, really important. What are your practices? Why does this feel like it's taking from you? What is it that you need for yourself? Do you need something more dynamic? Do you need something a little bit more calming? How do you feel when you are with your child? Are you feeling like, you're, you're nervous. Are you feeling like you don't know what to do? Are you feeling frustrated? Are you feeling absent? Are you like with them, like being around them? And that is supposed to just be enough when your, your mind is on work. Um, I would, I would definitely start by doing a lot more self-reflection in that particular way to figure out what, um, what you need first for first and foremost as a person, and then look at your partnership and then looking at what you need to be a professional. And then all of that pans out and the, and the child will always benefit from your self-reflection and your self-growth. Yeah, I love that you said it doesn't have to be apart from them because that's, I'm a health and wellness coach too. So I, I hear that um, from people all the time. Well, I just don't have time. I don't, I've got my kids are running around all the time and I don't have time to work out. I don't have time to make healthy meals. And I'm like, why, why can't your kids be in the room when you're working out? Yeah. Why, like, why do we feel like we have to get our half hour workout in before they wake up? If that's not working for you, then why? Like I've, I've seen moms, like, you know, my kids aren't babies anymore, but like they're holding their babies while they're doing squats, you know, like it doesn't mean that taking care of yourself, you have to like take your children and go shove them away in a room, you know, like, or I can't make healthy meals because my kids um, are, they're too crazy and I just don't have time for it. Why don't we start involving our kids in making healthy meals? Like let them pick some healthy meals, let them help you. My kids don't really like doing that, but you know, like it could be something fun for other families to do. So oh, I, like, I like that idea of, not feeling like we have to like go shove them away mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, to do our self-care. If, if for us as educators, if for us as educators, if the classroom, if, if the classroom environment is a place where we can also be creative, then I want to also communicate that same message to parents. Everything you do is a classroom. If you're cooking dinner, let your mm -hmm. kids, let your kids watch you do it. Let your kids mm -hmm. be a part of it. Let them stir something. I'm reading what uh, one of my favorite books that I'm I'm, I'm reading right now, um, and I just I mean it's the kind of book I mean, and I don't need much. I mean, if I read a little nugget in a book that I'm reading, it will take me forever to get through the book because my mind is reeling with with new possibilities, and I just want to share it with all my clients. But Hunt Gather Parent, I don't know if it's oh. you've come across that one. 
I've heard it. I haven't read it yet. It is on my list, though. Definitely check it out. The audiobook okay. version is great, too. It's read by the That's author. Um, I'm, her name is escaping me, um, but she's an M NPR correspondent. Very well written, very well read, very well researched. And it, the premise is that um, her daughter, um, she was really struggling to... Um, I would say just really struggling to to build a what felt like a a healthy relationship with her child or she, she, they weren't communicating very well. She had a hard time motivating her child to do things, really help out around the house, get a sense of agency as she started to as she started to grow older. Um, and I think she came across some article uh, that was talking about a South American indigenous tribe and how how differently children were raised in the house and how there was this different, definitely this sense of contribution. And so what she ends up doing is she realizes she wants to go on this great adventure with her child. And she sets up all of these different places uh, to go visit these different locations where she would be at a homestay um, in an indigenous community, different indigenous community. Um, and she would learn about parenting. You know, and what's different from parenting and, and and a lot of what we're talking about in this podcast today, and I just really appreciate this conversation is I think it reveals a lot of where parenting has gone. It was never actually better. It's just different. It's mm -hmm. always a journey. Mm -hmm. It's always something to fumble around with. Every parent since the beginning of time has had to figure it out. Mm -hmm. There was never a manual. That being said, Looking around and being open to learning from others is really, mm -hmm. really key. And she became this, this author became fascinated with the way that different indigenous cultures had, had parenting. And so she would go and there was this, there are these moments very definitely speaking to um, what you were just saying, Ashley, like if you're cooking with your infant or you're cooking with your, and your five-year-olds around, have them be in the kitchen, have them be a part of it. And as early as you can, let them be touching, let them be helping and allow it to be messy too. Even clean up instead of like correcting them. Like that's not the way you do something. What you want to do is you want to facilitate being a part of something. And so this whole mm -hmm. idea is if you leave the room or if your child knows that the only way that mommy's going to feel better and sound better and look better and treat you better is if she gets about 20 minutes by herself in the room on her phone, right? Which is so far away from you. What, 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 what you're communicating is mommy needs to get away from you in order mm -hmm. to feel better. And going, going back to the example that Roberta said before about like being able to give your space to walk away, that is needed. And on top of it, you do need to talk through that piece. So if you are having your child while you're, if you're doing some work, let them work alongside you. Let them do some work alongside you. If you're building something, find something that feels developmentally, developmentally appropriate for them to contribute. The idea is if there's the practice of contribution, being a part of something, then it won't also be like, oh, okay, just go play video games. Just leave me alone for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Right. That then becomes a tool. We got to understand that our, that our, our kids are way more perceptive than, than we are or will ever be again. <laughs> and so they are taking that as a tool where it's like, oh, yeah, if I'm making mom or dad upset, then I get to go play video games. And it's this separation mm -hmm. as opposed to being together. It's not mm -hmm. it's, it's the redirection as opposed to or different directions as opposed to the we direction doing something together. 
And you find that you can find that calm, you can find that peace, you can find that totally different sense of purpose while alongside your child mm -hmm. than having to be separated from them. Mm -hmm. It made me think my son and I, he's going to be turning four in about a week, which is insane. Oh, congratulations. But, That's exciting. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> we made it through some challenging years, so we will be celebrating. Um, <laughs> but his, he's got some food aversion stuff and some food allergies, which feeds into the food aversion stuff. So mm -hmm. I had this bright idea, like, okay, I'm going to include him now in the actual meal planning and deciding what we're going to eat. And we'll talk through, like, it doesn't have your allergy, blah, blah, blah. So we're sitting there and I'm writing in my notebook and he goes and grabs his own. And he's like, I'm going to write my menu. <laughs> He's like <laughs> writing his own little, you know, his little scribble stuff. And that night I said, okay, well, we're going to go have those cornbread waffles like you chose. That's what you chose for tonight. We're going to go do that. He goes, and pancakes? Because that's what I wrote down. Cornbread <laughs> <laughs> yeah. waffles and pancakes? Well, I didn't know he wanted pancakes. So <laughs> I'm like, well, right now we're going to do the cornbread waffles that we discussed together. Yeah. Next time you write your stuff down, you have to tell me what you're writing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had that conversation, but. And, and here's the thing too. I mean, and right there, great personal reflection. But by the way, way to go, mom. I just want to. <laughs> okay, I just let me start with way to go, mom, because I, I mean, how many students have we had by now with like lots and lots of food stuff, especially over mm -hmm. the years, you know, it's this one, it, it's a particular arena in, in that holds hands really with learning challenges in as well, where you spend so much time, if we put ourselves in the perspective of the child, you spend so much time people telling you what you can't have, what you can't do. And it, there's a whole world of can't and talk about issues of self-confidence, talk about, you know, not wanting to lead in, lean into making mistakes and feeling good about it. You're going to be more calculated about every mistake you ever make. And that mm -hmm. is not an environment that we want a child feeling like they need to grow up in. That's not how they want we want them thinking about themselves. So when it comes to food stuff, this is really really key. How do you create a sense of empowerment as well? Mm -hmm. So you allowed your child to create a menu. Mm -hmm. You probably also at the, in that moment were thinking, how is this going to go? Right? right. <laughs> how it came out and how it came out too wasn't perfect. It was messy. The important thing is we have to see through the whole product. What what the what happened in the end? We have to see through all that. What was the growth that happened along the way? What would happen mm -hmm. along the way? Because when you do it the next time, it can be better. And as your child gets older, there is then you're inserting like little things here and there. Like, okay, so next time let's pick waffles or pancakes. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. You know, and you can even give a reason why, you know, because it's too much of X. Um, and then there's, there's reason, there's communication, and you're allowing your child to grow. You're allowing them to be, to have agency over something, especially that they're going to school and other kids get to eat different things than they get to eat. Right. Well, so it's, it's yeah. like, it creates this otherness, which yeah. is toxic. Yeah. The way I'm you not looking that, forward to that. Yeah. And it, but here, and here's the thing though, you're, you're building this agency, you're building this strength, you're building this self-confidence, you're building your child's understanding for mm -hmm. how 
care for themselves and how to advocate for themselves. They're going to be able to go to a restaurant or they're going to be in the lunchrooms. Like I actually can't have that, but I can have this. Mm-hmm. It's not a, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's a, not that, but definitely this. Right. And mm-hmm. that sense of self also for you as a parent is going to be awesome because packing lunches won't just be up to you. It's going to be right. a collaboration. Mm-hmm. If you let it, some right. parents want total control over the lunch thing, yeah. which I understand, which I understand, especially if it's like you're doing it in the 11th hour, just before everyone's going to school. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just barely it's getting just it. Really fast. Yeah. Right. Just really fast, you know? And, and if I let my child do it, um, certain things won't be included or they'll forget or whatever. Um, you know, just, uh, if you just give yourself permission to let it be messy and really focus on what happened along the way, as opposed to like, did this turn out the way I had always hoped? Um, <laughs> Does it ever? There's always time to refine, always time to refine. Absolutely. Well, I am loving this conversation and I feel like we could just, there are so many ideas for future conversations if you're willing. Um, I, Very much so. I'm learning just as much here. This is awesome. <laughs> I feel like we could talk about boundaries and so many other Ooh, other can things. We that talk about boundaries sometime. That would, that be, would be incredible. Yes. So uh, before we have just a couple of like final questions, but before we sure. do that, can you tell our listeners where they can find um, Parent Sidekick? Sure. Yeah. So um, where you found me, which was on Instagram, your Instagram, uh, and our handle is Parent Sidekick. Uh, if you went to the parent sidekick by accident, you'd still be accessing the same one, uh, which is nice. Uh, we're on Facebook as well. And our, our bread and butter is definitely our website. We put a lot of um, heart and soul. It's a landing page. It's a base camp for parents to go, for schools to go, um, to really get a sense of uh, mine and Adam's personality, sort of the parent sidekick way. And you can get a sense of our languaging and what we really like to um, bring to um, our client sessions, and that's parentsidekick.com. And you'll also find uh, some free tools, as I was mentioning before, to sort of kickstart some some conversation starters or some games. Uh, There's one particularly that I think really lands well for families during the holidays, and it's, uh, it's, it's it's a kindness, it's a kindness challenge. It's acts of kindness bingo. And it's just a way to kind of, as a family, create goals on how to again, be in a practice of kindness. That sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. We'll make sure to um, link that in our show notes, make that easier for parents as well. Just Excellent. go and click. So these can be uh, quick one word answers or um, uh, however you want to answer. But sure. the first one is what are you grateful for in this season of your life? I think I think I got a couple of a couple of answers about this. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about this, and, and and this definitely reflects this conversation. I'm grateful for the power of possibility. I'm grateful for uncertainty, which is abundant these days, um, <laughs> unknown, um, and the growth that can come from just being able to be in that um, as a parent as a partner, as a professional, and as a person, being able to breathe into pot, the power of pot, what could, what could be possible uh, in this moment, and also being able to be comfortable with what is 
uncertain. I'm also about to become a father. So I- Oh, congratulations. Congratulations. And I am just over the moon. Uh, So that is something I'm very grateful in this moment. Talk about uncertainty, right? (laughs) Right? I know. I know. I know. So that's been a huge part of my meditation for sure. Yeah, I bet. Let's see. The Um, next one, you kind of already answered a little bit, but maybe you have something to add on to it. Go ahead, Ashley. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, same thing. So I'm not even going to give you the option of the book because you already told us that. So what podcast are you listening to right now? Well, I, it's, it's interest is an interesting question. It's less the podcast and more the interviewee that I track. Uh-huh. And, um, if you, if you are, um, familiar with Dr. Zach Bush, um, he is an amazing man. And as an educator, um, I find a lot of synergy with him, but he is, he's coming from the medical world and really takes health, agriculture, parenting, that whole, and it's finding the the commonalities between all of those um, for teaching health and wellness. You definitely appreciate Dr. Zach Bush, but it's really his consciousness that I find adapts beautifully to teaching, to our relationship with um, the natural world, with the outdoors. And uh, definitely, I mean, I, I, I bring him up in um, with my clients all the time for parenting. Uh, so oh, Dr. Okay. Zach Bush, he is, his best interviews are the ritual on the ritual part podcast. So Okay, we'll have to check them out. Roberta wrote a note down for us, so we can go check them out. (laughs) I'm all about the note taking. (laughs) She is. She's my note taker. Ashley, if I could, before this next question gets gets asked, um, just in in answer to something that you were you were saying before, we were just talking so much about self care, which I appreciate. I could wax on forever. I'd love if yeah. there was ever an opportunity to, to to delve a little bit deeper into it. But something I I, I really want to communicate is that um, good parenting. I think that good parenting. I'm not going to say great parenting, and there's no perfect parenting. Hopefully, I've communicated that there's no perfect anything, um, especially in a family dynamic. Right? Uh, but good parenting is self-care. Yeah. And I believe that if you're doing it right, it is self-care. And mm-hmm. if you're not, if you're not feeling like you're taking care of yourself and it's not hundred percent of the time, right. You know, it's like, it's just like in moderation, but uh, if you are feeling cared for, you're doing something right. And if you're feeling like you're not being able to take care of yourself, like it really, it could bring you right back to the parenting piece. So really trying to create a good parenting practice is just absolutely key in my world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our last question then for today is what is a daily routine or something you do to take care of your mental, physical, emotional, or spiritual self that you are proud of? Yeah. Well, um, as I was mentioning before, like self-regulation is key. I think for me, there are a lot of things that I do to self-regulate. Um, and there's a long list, but basically I've got to be in nature as much as possible. Mm. Um, I am definitely more in tune with myself and I come back and I'm more in touch with the people around me. Um, when the more time I spend in nature, um, and that is really key whether I do that by myself or whoever I'm with in, in nature, um, I get a lot of grounding from that as well. Um, I'm a songwriter. I love playing music and writing songs. It's a huge part of the expression and it's, um, it's really, really key for me. And um, I would, I would definitely narrow it down also to just meditation. 
being able to to find stillness. As someone who can't stop talking or stop moving as a teacher ever, it's really key to not only model, but but be able to find ways to find stillness and breathe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Everyone benefits from my self-care for sure. That's awesome. Well, thank you again so much for joining us today. And I think my pleasure. I look forward to future conversations because as I said, I, we could definitely continue. <laughs> There's a lot of, a lot of directions we could have gone today. Yeah. Thank you so much. And everyone make sure to go check out uh, the parentsidekick.com and it is in the show notes for you. Um, until next week, we are so grateful for each and every one of you tuning in to listen. Mm-hmm. Have a good night or yeah. day or whatever you are. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for both of your work. I really appreciate it all the work you're doing. Please keep it up. Thank you. Grateful. We want to thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us chat about healthy family living. We would love to hear your thoughts or any ideas you have for future episodes. So feel free to message us at the teacher mama's podcast at gmail.com or the teacher mama's podcast on Instagram. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave a quick rating or review on whatever platform you're listening from. If something really stood out to you today, don't forget to share it with someone else in your life that might need to hear it too. Spread the word. Please don't forget to share with your online community and tag us. For more positivity and inspiration on how we navigate life and the things we do on a daily basis to stay sane in the crazy, don't forget to go follow each of us on Instagram. Check the show notes for our handles.